A man who has been paralyzed for over 38 years is healed by Jesus. Some great observations right around the corner on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Imagine having a sickness for 38 years and unable to take care of yourself. I think it's safe to say most in that situation would suffer with feelings of hopelessness and despair. We find a man in that desperate condition today on Abounding Grace. Jesus is about to restore this man to complete health, and we'll take a look at this inspirational story here on today's broadcast. Let's turn over to John chapter 5 for today's message from Pastor Ed Taylor. You'll remember the last time that we were together, we saw the desperation of a dad. His son was sick, close to death, in his last moments. So desperate was this dad that he found out Jesus was near and ran to him, went to him as fast as he could. He probably didn't run. He probably rode on this uh, horse that was, he was uh, in a place of great prominence, being a nobleman. And he went, no doubt, with an entourage. He wanted help. Now, we didn't look at this last time, but it would be a great Bible study to look at uh, in another time. But for those of you taking notes, you can just kind of look in the nobleman's life back in chapter 4, that he came to Jesus with a crisis faith. There was a crisis in his life that moved him. And oftentimes, that's exactly what happens. We find that many people will turn their attention toward God when a crisis hits. That might be you. You might be tuning in on the radio right now, listening live to this. And the reason you're flipping through the radio and leaving your normal music and news stations and even sports stations behind is because there's a great crisis in your life. And you're looking for help. And you, and you, want, you want to find that place of, well, of help. You, you, want that, you want that hand of God. You can't even describe what you're looking for, but you know that God is real. And so you come to him in the crisis faith. And might I just say this? If you're here today, and the reason you're here is because of a crisis in your life. I mean, and you look at your life. You haven't been in church in a long time, and you really haven't been paying attention to God and doing your own thing. But now the tough times have come, and now there's a great crisis, and you've come to church, or you've started to read your Bible. I want you to know we don't judge you for that. I'm glad that you're looking for help, and glad you're looking for help from the God that can help you, the God that's ready to help you, if you're willing, if you're willing to accept his help on his terms, his way. And so you come often, many people will come with a crisis faith, just like this nobleman. But his crisis faith soon turned into a confident faith, where now that he met Jesus, he was confident. And not only that confidence, thirdly, he was, then his faith was confirmed. Because once he met Jesus, he says, hey, your son's healed. And he stuck around for a couple of days. Remember, he stuck around for a season. Actually, he, he waited the, to, to the next day to go back. And he found out, oh, it was that time when you, when, at that very time that Jesus said he was healed, that's when your son got healed. He was confident. And then his confident faith was confirmed. And his conf- confirmed faith was then contagious. 
Now in chapter 5, our attention is turned to the pool of Bethesda, which is filled with desperate people. Some of them are exasperated to find help and healing. You'll notice something in Jesus' life. You may even notice it in your own life as you serve God. You'll find that Jesus goes from desperate situation to desperate situation to desperate situation. That he's often met in people of great turmoil and crisis. I mean, he's come to serve those in great turmoil and crisis. And he's going from one desperate situation to another. Which, by the way, helps to explain why he was tired at times, physically. He was physically tired. Because he was serving, you know, serving people in their sin, serving people in their difficulty, serving people generally can lead a person to be tired physically, to be tired emotionally, to be tired spiritually. And yet, the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. So with that in mind, pick up in verse 1 of chapter 5, John's Gospel. It says, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. By the way, if you like to write in your Bible, circle the word Bethesda, you can write next to it House of Mercy. This was a place where people were looking for mercy. They were desperate. Notice how they're described in verse 3. In these, under the porches, under the shade, lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water, and then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now, verse 5, a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. So here in this place of mercy was a great multitude looking for mercy. They wanted God to be merciful upon their sickness, upon their disease, upon their calamity. And yet the focus is on this one man. Don't miss that. Don't miss verse 5, a certain man. That the, the laser focus in this text is this one man that God sent Jesus to. You know, he was waiting for the water to move. He was waiting for God to send him help from another man. But God did even better than that. God sent him, the Father sent Jesus, the God-man, to solve the issues in his life. Not just physically, but spiritually. A lot of you are waiting for help from a man, seeking help from a human. And while God certainly uses humans to help us, your true help will come from him and him alone. He alone has the power. He alone has the wisdom. He alone has the knowledge. He alone has the insight to give you the exact help that you need, even when you don't know what kind of help you need. God is faithful. Now, I'm sure that this was a sad sight to see. I'm sure this was a hard place to go. In thinking about what might be compared to today, I was thinking of how hard it is at times to go to the emergency room of a hospital and to see so many desperate people, traumatized, deep sickness, or going through an ICU ward of a hospital where there are those laying in a coma, families praying over them, or into a PEDS ICU, or even into a hospice place where many are there in the last breaths of their life. Very desperate, very sad, very difficult. And here was a group of people waiting for help. 
They wanted to be brought into the pool because when it moved, they knew somebody got healed. But verse 3 is very much a picture of people today. We can't miss that. In this area, notice a great multitude of sick people, blind people, lame people, paralyzed people were there waiting for the moving of the water. Metaphorically, what a great picture this is of people today. Primarily those that are not saved, that have no hope in God, but they're, they're paralyzed. You could translate that without strength. They're in a place of a hopeless condition. And this is the truth, friend. Apart from Jesus, you are in a hopeless condition. It doesn't matter what your bank account says or where you are in your career or how good your family might be right now. Apart from Jesus Christ, you're in a very hopeless situation because this life is not all there is. This life will soon pass. You and I, we will face our maker, our creator God. And some will face him apart from Jesus and many will face him in Jesus. And it's a tragedy It's a tragedy that even though you're facing crisis today, you still haven't bent the knee to accept Jesus into your life. That God so loved you, he sent his son Jesus to die for you so that he can bridge the gap between you and him because of sin. Sin has so wrecked humanity. Sin is the cause of these things. It describes, you remember in Romans chapter 5, I love how Paul describes, he says, when we were still without strength, In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. That's us. That's a description of us. That in our worst condition, Jesus died for us. He didn't die for the godly. He died for the ungodly. For the separated ones. And contrary to popular opinion, the Bible does not teach that God helps those that help themselves. You'll come across a survey from time to time where they'll ask people, is this in the Bible? And, you know, inevitably, many people go, yeah, that's in the Bible. God helps those who help themselves. It's not. It's nowhere to be fine, to be found in the scriptures. Truly, exactly the opposite is taught in the Bible. It's an anti-biblical concept to think, well, you know, if I just get, get as far as I can, then God will help me go. No, no, you can't go anywhere apart from the power of God. You can't make any progress. The Bible says that we were all dead spiritually in our trespasses and our sins. No, the Bible, the Bible would teach us this, that God helps those who can't help themselves, who realize their inadequacy, who realize they need help. And truly in Jesus Christ, we have been helped. And so we learn a few things about the situation from this scene at the pool. You know, we learn, first of all, that the people were powerless in themselves. They couldn't do, especially this one certain man, as we'll find out in a moment, could not help himself. They couldn't bring healing upon themselves. They couldn't take away the situation that was in their life. Secondly, there's a group of people that recognize the desperation of their life, and so they come to a particular place looking for help. Like, yes, Lord. That's why often people would come through the doors of a church, a building like this, just a building on a corner, but it has great representation of the presence of God. I, I need help. And a lot of times people will look, uh, look through the, you know, they don't have the yellow pages anymore, so they'll just Google the local, local church, and they'll come to a church. And I say, great, if you're looking for help right now, go to a local church and let them represent the love of Jesus Christ to you. That's a good decision to make, even especially if you choose this particular congregation here at Calvary. Whether you're here now or you're listening from a distance, that's why God's put us on the planet, to help you. 
in your time of need to point you to the, full, the fullness and the fulfillment of life that comes through turning your life away from sin and accepting Jesus as your Savior. That's the best thing that could happen to you. It's the thing that God sent Jesus for. So the people were looking for help. And until you start looking for help, until you start recognizing your need, you're not going to make a lot of progress in your life. You're going to expend all that energy and make no progress. But another thing I notice here is that Jesus loves the downcast. You notice that? He loves to be in the places where there's the greatest need. Jesus went to Jerusalem, but didn't go immediately up to any important people. He didn't get, go to the influential people. He didn't go to the religious rulers. He went to the neediest of the needy to serve them. God has a soft heart and a leaning toward the very people that society seems to write off and ignore. The ones that sin has so wrecked their life that the world just writes them off. God has a heart for the down and out, for the struggling, for those that are outside of society, the ones that society seems to write off, the ones that politically we can find ourselves on the wrong end of wanting to help someone because of the political climate that happens to be present in our nation today. When the Lord is stirring us to be used of him for the kingdom of God. God is building a kingdom today. And I believe that Jesus, if he would come, if he was alive today, I don't know that he would come here first. I suspect he would go there first. He came, the physician came to who? The sick. And aren't you glad he came to you in your desperate time? Aren't you glad that now you're saved and you can participate and be a part of what God is doing on the earth today, whether it's here or there? You know, the heart of our church and the heart of God, I believe, in Acts chapter 2, that that you'll be in Acts chapter 1, when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll be my witnesses in Judea or in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And that we want to cover all of that because that's the heart of God. And so Jesus is here. He goes right to He goes right to the sick and then right to this particular guy. You know, remember, Jesus wasn't born in Rome or in Jerusalem, but in Bethlehem. Remember, Jesus, he didn't grow up in Athens at the feet of of Greek scholars or at the feet of learned rabbis. He grew up allowing the Father to disciple him. In Isaiah chapter 53, it says this of Jesus, that Jesus himself was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. So it makes sense that he would go to the ones that are despised and written off. Now, let's just answer this question at least the best that we can in verse 4 before we move on. This angel moving the water, and when the waters moved, the first one that went in was healed. That's how John describes it here. Now, this is a point. There's two things in the text today that have caused people to argue, and this is one of them. Where there are people on either side who go, well, it was really an angel, and he really moved the water, and that's how God used, you know, that's how they were healed, was this angel. And then the other side of it is describing a superstition of the day that the water was actually from a from a a spring and when the spring would move up and it would move and when somebody touched the water there was healing now over the years I've learned and I'm learning still not to get caught up in all the arguments 
Because either way, whatever it was exactly, I mean, John describes it as an angel. Let's say God did use an angel to dispatch to that water in a particular time to stir it up in a particular re- and it activated faith in someone. And when somebody jumped in, they were healed. Okay, God used that. Or what if it was a superstition that they all came to this place waiting for the movement of the water and when they waited for the movement of the water, that activated their faith and God chose to, to heal them. Or maybe a third option. Here, here's the bottom line. God used whatever it was to heal people because God alone heals. So whether somebody comes from a superstitious viewpoint, you go, okay, well, we could speak to that. Or God does, and, and we see that angels are used in mighty ways, in many wonderful ways. If an angel was used to do that, either way, God was healing people, and there was an expectation of healing. So it was used of God in a wonderful way. Now, verse 5 again. A certain man who had an infirmity 38 years, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? Huh, great question, huh? I mean, what kind of question is this? The guy's been lame for 38 years. Do you want to be made well? Uh, We'll get back to it in just a second. Verse 7. The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Again, another. He went from desperation to just absolutely disaster. I mean, I'm so close. I've been so close. I'm right there. And somebody gets in before me. He doesn't really even answer the question that Jesus asked, but why would Jesus? I mean, wouldn't you think if you have been hurt? I mean, some of you right now have faced some things that that you have an ongoing issue in your life. It could be a medical issue. It could be a family issue. It could be a marriage issue. And if we were to find out about it and we would, we would ask you, do you really want to be made well? Yes. Yes, who wants to be like this for 38 years? Who wants to be in this condition? Who wants this? And yet he doesn't answer that. He doesn't answer that. Now, we don't know exactly what's going on in him except that he's describing his desperation. But I can tell you this for us today. I have found over the years that not everybody wants to be made well. Not everybody wants to change. Not everybody wants the condition in their life to be different. As strange as it may seem, there are people who don't want any help. They don't want their condition changed. They've chosen their lifestyle, and they're willing to put up with the consequences of that lifestyle that they've chosen, those series of decisions they've chosen. They're willing to put up with the consequences in order to live the way they want to live. There is comfort for them in darkness. We've already learned that. Jesus said in John chapter 3 that people love the darkness. And so in one sense, not everybody wants to change. But Jesus did isolate this man where there was a desire for him to change. And he described the desperation and the discouragement that he faced that it seemed like as close as he would get, somebody always got in before him. You ever feel like that? Man, as close as you get, somebody always seems... I mean, it's a, it's a sad, sorrowful thing that's on top of the infirmity in his life. But can we speak just for a moment on this topic of healing? There's a lot of confusion on this topic of healing. I was watching a television program not too long ago of a pastor. is actually a son of a famous pastor. It's kind of taken over from him as his dad is getting older. And, and I don't watch uh, so-called Christian TV all that much, but this guy captivated me for a moment. And I just happened to be tuning in where he pointed at me and he's pointing at me. 
Um, I'm, I, I know, I was watching him. He's right there. He's pointing at me and he's telling me that it's God's will for me to be wealthy. And I'm like, what a great time to turn on the television. Yes. Yes, I want that. And then he continued on and he had a big Bible in his hand. And God wants you to be healthy. And I'm like, oh, yeah, man. Who doesn't want it? And, and then he, and for those of you that are familiar with uh, this type of teaching, what I would term a false doctrine, a false teaching, he also went on to say that if I am sick or I'm not wealthy, then it's my problem. It's my faith. I don't have enough faith. I haven't done enough faith. And if I had more faith, I would have more wealth and I'd be well. And it was all my problem. I mean, what a trip to lay on people that are sick and going through financial issues in their life. What, a, what an ungodly, unbiblical, unchristlike trip to lay on someone. And he added more. He gave me the way out. He said something like, you know, if you just send money into our ministry, if you will sow a seed... If you sow a seed, God will reap a harvest in your life. You just sow a seed. And he gave some number. I don't remember what it is. But these, these guys, these hucksters, they, they create all kinds of false things. And they'll find some obscure passage and, and use that. And say, so well, if you send in $55.52, according to Isaiah 55, 52, you'll get that promise. You know, it's just, just stay away from that stuff. And so he said, if I send in this money, that I'd get at this harvest. And I'm like, hmm. I didn't do this, but I have thought about it over time. I should just do it so I can say I did it. I guess, I'm, I think I will. Write down the phone. Here, you guys do it before me, please. <laughs> Write down the phone number and give them a call. Say, hello, is this uh, such and such ministries? Yes. Hey, I just saw a pastor on there right now, and he said that if I sow a seed, then there'll be a harvest. Is that true? It's true. And then they'll go on, and a lot of times they'll try to upsell you. You know, if you get a bigger seed, then there'll be a bigger harvest. And, and you send us a check for 155 bucks, and you can expect God to give you $1,000, you know, whatever it is. And you go, really, is that true? It's absolutely true, sir. How can I take your credit card number? And, and then you go through that, and you go, no, 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 no. Do you really believe that? Yes. Yeah, so the ministry really? Yes, you believe. Okay, so let me give you a suggestion. Why don't you send me 155 bucks? No, no, forget that. Send me 1000 bucks, And let God reap his harvest on you. You know what's going to happen, right? Click. Oh, it don't work that way. It only works this way. It doesn't work that way. Why? Because it's not biblical. God's ways always work. He's faithful. And if you're sick today, it's not some heavy trip on you. We all get sick, church. If you're struggling in a financial realm right now, that's a normal part of life. God heals because people get sick. And God heals sovereignly. That's important for you to grasp. God heals sovereignly. That's a big Bible word that you'll see many times in the scripture describe God. It just means that he has the power and control and authority over healing. Sometimes he heals and sometimes he doesn't. This is Abounding Grace and Pastor Ed Taylor is our Bible teacher and the pastor of Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. You can hear these radio programs on our website anytime of the day or night at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another way to grow on the go is by downloading our app. Search for Ed Taylor. And we have a couple of podcasts as well. You can listen to Abounding Grace and Lead to Serve wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, by the way, that's Lead, the number two, Serve. 
In it, Pastor Ed discusses the value of servant leadership. Today, we want to tell you about Pastor Ed's book, God's Help for the Troubled Heart. I don't have to convince you that people are suffering in large measure all around us. And maybe that someone is you. With a war going on, rising inflation, gas prices through the roof, and a virus that doesn't seem to go away, many are anxious and greatly troubled. Well, God wants to meet you right where you're at. And this book will remind you that Jesus will bring you through your trial, and you're not alone. Request a copy of God's Help for the Troubled Heart today. Maybe order an extra one, too, and give it to a friend. We'll send it to you for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Call 877-30-GRACE. You can also order it at calvaryco.store on the web. And please remember that your gifts help to make this program possible. We look to the Lord to provide for us. If He's leading you to take an active role in the ministry through either a one-time gift or ongoing support, please visit us online, aboundinggraceradio.com, or call 877-30-GRACE. Well, that's going to do it for today. Come back tomorrow when Pastor Ed Taylor will again open the Gospel of John in search of abounding grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.